Radio advertising is good. Why should you advertise on the Tam Talk Radio Network, AM 1340? Well, it's simple. We are a local radio station with local shows that target our local communities and local listeners. We have a variety of shows that cover a multitude of informative and interesting topics, such as automotive and boating, real estate and finance, health and medical, politics and law, sports and fishing, pet care, and more. Why, we are even home to Imus in the Morning. We also have shows about comedy, food and dining, religion, fashion, local community events and activities, and a variety of music. Talk radio provides a listening format that appeals to a large cross-section of people. Whether you are in your car, at work, at home, everyone has a radio. And we are streamed live on the Internet. And past shows are podcasted so you, the listener, can play back your favorite shows over and over again. The possibilities are endless. So that, my listeners, is why you should advertise on the Tam Talk Radio Network, AM 1340. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio Cars. Let me tell you about my company, Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. I have over 35 years' experience with classic, vintage, sport, and racing cars. I do appraisals, consulting, and pre-purchase inspections. Before you buy your next rare classic, the car of your dreams, give me a call at Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc. 727-541-1741. Also, due to my 28 years' experience in the auto salvage business, I am very good with wrecks. So if your car has been in a wreck, call me for a diminished value report. Call me at 727-541-1741. You may be owed some money for lost value of your repaired vehicle. That's Gulfstream Motorsports, Inc., 727-541-1741. And be sure to tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars, Wednesdays, 7 to 8 p.m. on the Tantalk Radio Network, AM 1340. If you like golf, enjoy affordable golf at Magnolia Valley Golf Club, located on Massachusetts Avenue in Newport Ritchie. Play for as little as $15 after 2 p.m. The club has two beautiful courses to choose from, an 18-hole championship, par 72, plus another nine-hole executive par 33. Join their open leagues on Wednesday afternoons at 4 and Sunday mornings at 8. Call 727-847-2342 for tee times or visit their website, magnoliavalleygolfclub.com. We're visiting a typical American housewife, the proud owner of a new Studebaker Lark. Mrs. Uh, yes? But you're Zsa Zsa Gabor. Oh, that's one of my names. But we're supposed to interview a new Lark owner. But I'm a new Lark owner. You want to see my lovely new car? It's right there in the driveway. Uh, of course. Oh, the Lark styling, Miss Gabor. How do you like it? Well, frankly, I'm practically always frank. At first, I thought it's too big, it's too high. But then I found out why they raised the roof. I can get in. And out without losing my head. I can jump in and out for shopping. You do your marketing like that, Miss Gabor? Of course, darling. Nobody dresses around here. At night, with a new high hairdo, it's so easy to get in. And this couch, it's so nice, so chic. And how do you like our built-in vanity cake? This is a great idea. And the car's performance, Miss Gabor? Oh, it's divine. And I don't know the words for it. Oh, those brakes. This brakes? You clever thing. How did you know? Well, my friend says I would be in jail from coast to coast if I wouldn't have them. And you know, after a little togetherness with the garage door, a whole new fender only costs $12. Because the fenders bolt on. And with these flat floors, you can't break your heels or get your new shoes wet. What's best about your lark, Miss Gabor? Well, it's not too big, it's not too small, it's completely different. And I like things different. Were you paid to say these things, Miss Gabor? Are you crazy? Of course, yes. I got a car in every color for every day of the week. And I love them. Okay, listeners, hey there, hi there, ho there. You are tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We're almost world famous. But anyway, welcome to the show. Hey, Cedric, how you doing? Hey, hey. 
Hey, Chris, how you doing? You're sitting in with us again? Yeah, I'm doing great, Robert. How about you? Pretty good. So, uh, hey, run to your computers and Google Tantalk1340.com and flip on the computer, and you'll see us there waving in the studio. He's got Chris, me, and, of course, Cedric's in the production room, so you can't see him, but he'll uh, he'll say something once in a while. And uh, But anyway, so, uh, well, this is another uh, fun-filled week, and we're getting closer and closer to the auction, Chris. Would you like to tell us, say a few words about the auction? <laughs> I would love to say a few words about the auction. Uh, of course, I have been out there looking at wonderful cars, consigning them to our auction, which is happening in October the 14th and the 15th at the Tampa Bay Fairgrounds in the Expo Hall. We're going to have over 250 of the finest collector cars Florida has ever seen, and uh if you would, I'd like to tell you about one car in, in particular that uh, I had the pleasure of seeing, Robert. Go ahead. It, I'm a car guy. It, it's a 1941 Cadillac four-door convertible. Uh-huh. Only 400 made. This car has been in the same family since new. The owner that owns it now was the son of the guy who bought it. And he took it to Cornell in the 40s to college. So that'll tell you a little bit about how old he is today. Okay. And he has kept this car all this time, and it has just gone through a complete nut-and-bolt restoration, and he turned it into a 100-point car. It is better than the day it rolled off the showroom floor. And, of course, you know, 41 Cadillac, that's pre-war. That car was extremely expensive because the country was just coming out of the Depression. Not everybody could own one. They only made 400 of them. So somebody is going to get themselves a wonderful car, and everyone who comes to the auction is going to get a treat in seeing it. It is really a piece of American history. That's amazing. Now, I'm not sure, but is that does that fall under the category of a Phaeton by any chance? Because I know, you know, back in the day, if you had a four-door convertible, it was kind of the earlier cars, the th- 20s and 30s cars, actually in the teens, they were referred to as Phaetons. Is that referred to as a Phaeton at all? No, it's not. It's a true convertible. A Phaeton had dual cowls. It had one windshield for the driver, oh, and, and for then the... it had a second windshield for the passengers. So this is just a this straight... This is a, a four-door, but a convertible, a true convertible. And boy, wow. is it gangster. Is it gangster? It, it looks straight out of The Godfather. Uh, what, it, what color is it? It's all black. It's oh, black, it is black. It's black, top, <laughs> black interior, and that's the color that it was when it was new. They faithfully restored this car back to better than new condition, it went through, if I dare say, a $325,000 restoration over the course of three and a half years. And, uh, of course, he does not expect to recoup his investment. But it was worth it to him because it is a part of his family and his family's history. And yeah. he has enjoyed the car for many, many years. It's a labor of love. It was. And and believe me, it shows. What color is the interior? <laughs> Black. Black. So it's a black, black, totally gangster. Totally gangster, black Cadillac, and it is awesome to look at. It is huge, and it has a presence like you wouldn't believe. Wow. Uh, And, of course, we have many, many other cars that are equally as well-preserved and or restored restored that are going to be at the auction, but... This is amazing. I'm going to take a long shot, but would that car have side mounts on it by any chance? Uh, yes, it does. It does, really? Yes, it does. That's really gangster. Yes, it has that, that, that bumped-out trunk, you know. It's just really, really something else to see. Well, you got to keep your Tommy gun someplace. Right, you know? right, right. <laughs> right. well, okay. it's, a, it's a great car, and we're very fortunate to have it in our lineup. Wow, that's good. All right, um, we're going to go to a song. And then we'll be right back, and then we'll talk a little bit more about cars, and then we're going to have our featured guest this evening. We've got a great guest for you tonight, and we have, uh, as usual, some good songs and a couple movie clips. All right. So let's get that uh, record player going in that uh, 1941 Cadillac. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) Push the button.
This is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. We all love to eat. Well, I would like to tell you about my friends at the Rib Shack Barbecue on West Bay Drive in downtown Largo. Their menu offers family-sized takeout dinners like delicious ribs, chicken, beef, and pork, or sit-down barbecue dinners, sandwiches, and even desserts. They will also cater your party. Everything is barbecued fresh using real oak for that great smoky flavor. So visit my friends, Corey, Jed, and Kurt. At the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 600 West Bay Drive, or call them for a takeout order at 727-501-9090. That's 727-501-9090. They truly have the best smoking barbecue in town. Oh, and be sure and check out their great barbecue sauce. That's the Rib Shack Barbecue in downtown Largo, 727-501-9090. I'm telling Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars sent you. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radiant Cars. I'd like to tell you about a great place to eat right on the main part of Clearwater Beach. Located at 333 South Gulfview Boulevard. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill has two floors of food, drink, and fun. They have daily specials, happy hour, nightly entertainment. Their menu caters to seafood lovers as well as land lovers. Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill, 727-608-2065. They're open in the morning for breakfast until 1 a.m. So stop by and visit my friends, Turtle, Eddie, and Polly, and all the girls and staff at Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill. That's 727-608-2065. Mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you never know, you might get a free drink. That's Crabby's Beachwalk Bar and Grill on Clearwater Beach, 727-608-2065. Hey, we're back here, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and we are live in downtown Clearwater. And I've got my buddy Chris sitting in with me, who's the, I guess, the originator of the Crown Collector Car. You want to give yourself a plug real quick, don't you? Oh, of course. I'd love to give myself a plug. Give yourself a plug. Um, Listen, all you people out there that are listening, you have to go to www.crowncollectorcars.com and see the lineup of cars we have scheduled to be there. You're going to be amazed. Or you could call me if you're interested in consigning your car or registering to bid or getting any other information about the auction at 855-552-7696. How's that, Robert? That's very good. Hey, a couple updates on some of the upcoming events. Don't forget, next month, okay, on September 30th through October 2nd, in downtown Clearwater at the Baystar Race Village, we're going to have the Superboat National Championships. That means hot, bad, wicked, fast, nasty race boat excitement on Clearwater Beach. Okay, It's going to be where it was last year, right in Clearwater Beach, right up front. In fact, they elongated the uh, course this year, so it's going to come down um, toward, more towards South Beach and then go back up to... Uh, to uh, Caledesi there, and they're going to whip around and come right back. So it should be exciting. If you want to see some of the boats, if you want to talk to some of the drivers, the teams, they will be at the Baystar Race Village, which is at the bottom of the hill on Cleveland Street near, uh, well, what used to be Moss Brothers and is now Coachman Park. So be sure and be there, okay? And uh, also, I wish I could be there, but this weekend is Laguna Seca, the vintage races, and Pebble Beach, of course, which I know a lot of people are going to be out there. And I know you wanted to be out there. I wanted to be out there. I absolutely did, but I'm so busy with the auction that I just can't break away. But all our auctioneers are going to be out there plugging away and uh, and uh, watching those beautiful cars. And 
We'll get some feedback. I'm so sick that I can't be there, but, you know, that is the greatest place to be, Pebble Beach. That is. That is. That's the one. And then, of course, we have the also going on. We had uh, our in the past. We had uh, Peach Porus and Alex Exidius on a radio show. They are both going to be out at Bonneville because they're setting some land speed records out there this weekend. They've got some, some, sort, of, some sort of a reunion going on. And let's see what else we got. We got, we got, we got, we got. Oh, yeah. We got the Woodward Dream Cruise. And, of course, I'm not in Detroit this week. I'm sitting here in Clearwater. Unless somebody wants to sit there and pop for a plane ticket, I'm out of here. Just like that. I'm gone. Okay. But anyway, that's another place you'd like to be, too. Isn't if it? I can't go, you can't. If I can't. <laughs> Darn. Woodward Dream Cruise. So if anybody could hop a plane and go to Detroit this weekend, it's actually started a couple of days ago, but it's going on through the weekend. So that ought to be. Really, really, really exciting. Hey, big shout-out to my friends John and Mark at Cop Cars Online. If you need a squad car, a squad SUV, or any kind of security vehicle, they've got the finest selection of squad cars and SUVs and uh, former law enforcement vehicles on the planet. Okay, Give them a call over there at Cop Cars Online at 727-536-2677. 727-536-2677. And don't forget, every Saturday night, Sneaky Pete Scoops and Subs at 5507 38th Street. I guess it's 38th Street, St. Pete. But anyway, just to be on the safe side, give them a call, 727-343-3030, 727-343-3030. Every Saturday night from 5 to 9 is a car show down there, okay? So we want to make sure you you uh, all set for that. You know what, real quickly, and we got to get, get ready for our guest, but Chris, you and I both are kind of real critical cars. You have a little different perspective than I do, but one of the, one evening what we'll do is we'll go on, we'll carry on some dialogue about Quality condition of cars. Now, I know in your auction you want to have first-rate quality cars, um, you know, well-restored cars. But it would be would it be a fair statement if I said it takes on an average eight hundred to a thousand hours to restore fully restore? That's one hundred percent disassemble, one hundred percent reassemble a car, fix whatever needs to be fixed, obviously metal-wise and so forth, and then plus the cost of the car, plus the parts. So if you've got a thousand hours at fifty bucks an hour, you're talking fifty grand. Plus the cost of the car, plus the part. Is that a fair statement? Yes, it is a fair statement. Okay. And, and it all really boils down to uh, how much you love that car. Because if you're doing it uh, for a monetary gain, it's very difficult to do that to a car. Unless you start with something that's really better than a basket case or a you know, bonded-up mess or a, mm-hmm. rust, or a rust bucket. If you start with a decent car... It won't take a thousand hours, but if you start with one of those cars and have to disassemble it and buy a lot of parts, most cars that you would do that for would take a thousand hours at least. At least, and, and there there are shops that work for less than fifty. I'll have to say that thirty-five is more like the norm, mm-hmm. and you can get a really high class job done for thirty-five dollars an hour in labor. However. Some of the cars that you might think of restoring are very difficult because you can't find the chrome pieces, the door panels, the right fabric for the seats, the foam for the seats, the springs for <laughs> the seats, the all the things, the nuts and bolts and things that you may need if you don't start with a whole car, you won't be able to find. They're not all reproduced. Not every car has every part available, like a 55, 56, or 57 Chevy or a Corvette. All those are very popular, and those parts are generally available in reproduction production of some sort but a car like a 58 impala you have to have all those chrome pieces or you're going to have to hunt for them because they are not reproduction available and that can cost you bunches and bunches and bunches of money okay next time what we'll do is we'll take a little extra time and we'll go into the difference between a restored car a reconditioned car a refurbished car or survivor car a barn find and so on and so on and so on. Hey, are we uh, tuned in? We got our guests online, so we got a couple of things we got to do real quick, and then we will introduce our special guest for the evening.
classic, timeless, and collectible cars. Crown Collector Car Auctions presents the Florida Fall Classic, October 14th and 15th at the Florida State Fairgrounds in Tampa. Broadcast live on the Internet to buyers around the world. Space is limited, so reserve your spot in the greatest collector car auction in Florida this fall. Visit crowncollectorcars.com or call 855-552-7696. That's 855-552-7696 and consign your car today. Hey listeners, this is Robert from Nostalgic Radio and Cars. As most of you know, I'm in the car business, and often I need cars towed. Well, Kotaka's Towing has all the trucks and equipment to meet your needs. Whether it's long distance, short distance, or just around the corner, they can get it done. Kotaka's Towing, located at 1141 Court Street in Clearwater. Also, they have a full-service repair and body shop to meet all your automotive needs. So give my friends Lefty and Joey a call at Kotaka's Towing at 727-447-1952. And be sure and mention Nostalgic Radio and Cars, and you might get a discount. Here's the beautiful motion picture star, Jean Cray. Hello. I'd like to show you something I'm very proud of. This is my new DeSoto. Isn't it beautiful? It's long and lovely and long. Almost a foot lower than I am, and I'm only five feet five. I think its styling is outstanding, and these new fins are really striking. And what's more, my DeSoto is fun to drive, even in heavy traffic. It's so easy to handle. DeSoto's full-time power steering is the best I've ever tried. Of course, push-button driving is a wonderful improvement. It's so simple. The way my DeSoto rides, you just won't believe it until you try it. As you may have gathered, I'm very pleased with my new DeSoto. I paid a lot more for cars, but this new DeSoto is the most exciting car I've ever had. It's the most exciting car in the world today. The 1957 DeSoto. Okay, we're back, and you're tuned into Nostalgic Radio and Cars. Now, as many of you know, I was up in Detroit a couple of weeks ago, and I attended the uh, what used to be called the Meadowbrook Concourse, but this year it was uh, hosted by the St. John's Inn. And the Concourse Delegants usually have spectacular cars, regardless of whether it's in Amelia Island or if it's Pebble Beach. But I always wanted to check out the Detroit show, and I was amazingly surprised. And while I was there, I met some very, very interesting people. And one of the people that I met, or the lady that I met, our featured guest for this evening, is a, uh, well, she's a founder of a production company, and uh, basically a fashion and talent agency, okay? And they provide fashion, models, and production specialists for auto shows. And I'm sure you guys are familiar with the Tampa Auto Show that we have here in Tampa. Of course, you've heard of the Detroit Auto Show, the Frankfurt Auto Show, the Paris Auto Show. And not only does she do that, but she's also an author of a recent book that she came out with. And it basically depicts the history of fashion and automobiles and car shows. And the title of the book is Sirens of Chrome. So I'm delighted to welcome to the show this evening, Miss Marjorie Krevsky. How are you, Robert? Pretty good. Tell us a little bit about what you do exactly and... uh Well, I am in a niche business. I've always loved cars. I've always loved auto shows. So uh, about the beginning of the 70s, I went to an auto show, and I saw it was the Detroit Auto Show, and I saw a model that I happened to know who was standing beside a really terrific concept car. And I went up to her, and I said, can you tell me about that car? And she said, Marjorie, I know about it, but I'm not allowed to say anything. I'm just supposed to stand here and look pretty beside the car. But I have a break in about 10 minutes, and let's get together and let's gossip, and I'll tell you about the car, too. So that sparked an idea in my head. And I started my company, Productions Plus, with the premise that at auto shows, focusing on the automotive market, you could have very well-informed gearheads, men and women, stand beside cars and carry on really great conversations with people who would come to the auto shows. Some people may come to the auto shows and may be interested literally in looking to buy a car for the future, or some may come just because it's cool to come to an auto show and find out facts about cars. So this took me about two years to market to automobile companies, and And after I got a couple accounts, it stuck, and here I am 30 years later, and most of the auto shows around the country, and there are about 93 of them. Uh, I have people who are working for major automotive companies, and they're talking cars. They're gearheads. They look good. 
We dress them in brand-identifiable outfits, and they are really a big part of the personality of going to an auto show. I always like to say it's the great American institution. Baseball, apple pie, and auto shows. Absolutely. Now, tell us a little bit about how how does it work? I mean, what's the synergy yeah. there? For example, like when when and let's maybe if you can take it through the eras. Let's say in the in the seventies, sure. for example. Um, how does it start? Do basically, do the car manufacturers come to you and say, "Look, we have an idea. This is a car. This is the 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 color, the interior." How do you coordinate with us? Yeah, well, am, am right on the track? now, um, because pro- they call them product specialists, because okay. product specialists are such an integral part of each manufacturer's exhibit. Of course, you start with the cars, because the cars are the stars. And then you focus on the colors of the exhibit. So we work with the manufacturers, the exhibit makers, and we ask them questions. They download on us a lot of marketing facts. And I have on staff a designer, and she graduated from the Parsons School of Design, and she uh, sketches designs based on the cars and on the exhibits, and uh, we manufacture them, and out they come, and that completes the exhibit for that car company. So when you're when you're in a in a car exhibit, let's take Jeep for example. Everyone has the connotation of Jeep is an outdoor vehicle; it'll get you off road. Although in reality, not a whole lot of Jeeps go off road. Now there's certainly a, a segment that that's why they buy them for. But especially, I live in Michigan; a four wheel drive vehicle is almost a necessity. But we dress those people in outfits that are part of the brand, so they're more casual. If you would go to another exhibit, let's take a luxury brand like Lexus, for example, when you walk into that exhibit, you will see very upscale fashions on both the men and the women. And, in fact, a couple years ago, Lexus chose uh, an international designer like Gucci to wardrobe their entire exhibit. Uh, Their feeling is uh, that when a person who would buy a luxury car comes into the exhibit, they want them to feel comfortable from uh, the architecture of the exhibit, of course, the look of the fabulous cars, to the people, to what they have on. So it's a whole industry. When the um, and if you now you started what you said thirty years ago, so that would have been right early eighties, really right, well, long time ago. And when when I started the business, it was a brand new concept that people literally would be in the exhibit space at auto shows and would talk cars. Literally at auto shows, there are lots of people that come, but they're the gearheads, well, like yourself, who would love to come in and really talk what's beneath the engine, talk torque, talk all kinds of things. And there are some families that come in that may want really to focus on safety. Most of the people that work the auto shows have a college degree. Many of them are graduates with degrees in theater or communication, or we certainly have some engineers. And they also all must have improv skills. So they all go through a major training that is put on by the automotive manufacturer. They learn about the new uh, vehicles that are coming out this year. They learn about what's basic in the line, uh, some cultural uh, facts, some history. And then they go on uh, test drives with uh, the particular vehicles and the competitive vehicles. So on the floor, they can say, I did a on-track or on-road test drive in this vehicle, and this is what I found. And you happen to be driving this right now, so next time you get in your vehicle, watch for this or look out for this. So you can engage people on the auto show floor in some pretty interesting conversations. What? And that's what they're there for. And they cannot sell you a car, so it's a non-threatening situation. It's mainly information and the great American car culture. Um, from, time, from the time, it, let's say, you contract mm-hmm. to do a show um, to getting everything ready, the fashion, uh, the product specialist, 
Um, well, how much time lapse is there? I mean, how much? How much uh, we advanced? start a year ahead. Really, Literally, a year ahead. We start ahead. Uh, the first main auto show of the year starts in September, and it's the Texas State Fair. And then the first major, major show is begins October 28th in, in Miami, in, uh, in Florida. So between September and the end of May, and usually the last auto show is usually New York or Atlanta, de- depending on, on the schedule, the auto show product specialists or models are, are literally on the road. Maybe not every week, but because some shows overlap. The biggest uh, time frame overlap is January, February, and March. You have the Detroit Auto Show, which is the North American International Auto Show. You have the Philadelphia Auto Show. You have then the uh, Chicago Auto Show at McCormick Place. So there are many shows that are happening during those three months. But I'd just like to give you a little history of how this all happened, because Right along with the invention of the automobile at the beginning of of the 1900s, literally at the very first auto show, which was 1900, and remember, horses and buggies were still um, the major mode of transportation, and this newfangled invention, the automobile, people looked at as as is this going to work? Is this going to catch? I mean, what is this? And there's a big discrepancy on where the first auto show is. Uh, New Yorkers say it's the New York Coliseum. Chicago people say it was in Chicago. But my research in the book, my book, Sirens of Chrome, is at the New York Auto Show, the very first automotive company, the Stanhope Company, at the Automobile Club of America show at uh, New York's Madison Square Garden. They were the first people to use what I call sirens of chrome or product specialists or people to emphasize the importance of an automobile. And the first sirens of chrome were not gorgeous models or like men or women. Actually, it was a doctor's family, and they did that to show that, first of all, a physician could afford a new automobile, and next, because of his profession, he needed really reliable transportation. So they were trying to send out that message. So that happened in 1900. Also at auto shows, there were very interesting contests. Like, everyone, come on in to the auto show because we're going to have a contest between a car and a bicycle. I mean, it's hard to believe, but I saw these pictures. So they'd have somebody on a bicycle, someone on a car, and a finish line, and they would have a race. And this brought a lot of marketing attention to auto shows. And sometimes the cars won, sometimes the bicycles won. And then beginning in, like, 1906, the auto shows really become a lot more sophisticated. They begin to pop up in major cities, of course, New York, Chicago, and and Detroit. And, of course, when Henry Ford invented the assembly line, it just changed the entire complexity of what could happen in automotive. Uh, before that, certainly... Cars were being manufactured, but they were almost all handcrafted. And with the beginning of Henry Ford's assembly line in Dearborn, Michigan, most people then who had a good job could afford a vehicle, could afford a car. His workers could afford a car, and it just uh, pummeled all across the United States. You, too, can drive a car. And... I have a couple of favorite stories that have to do with marketing and sirens of chrome. There was, in New York, there was, in 1916, there was the Saxon Motor Company. And there was really a brilliant marketing guy who thought, you know, what can I do to bring attention to this car? So he said, I'm going to have two women drive across the United States. And the names of these two women are really great in automotive history, Alice Burke and Nell Richardson. And by the way, Robert, there's a movie being made out in Hollywood about this uh, journey because it's kind of a a cool women's story, but it's also an automotive story. So they drove over 10,000 miles. 
from New York to the West Coast. And you have to remember, in 1916, our highway system was not put together the way it is now. So most of the roads were dirt roads, and they had little inns. There wasn't a Holiday Inn or a Marriott to stay at. And it was quite a sensation. Also, these women were suffragettes, so they became the darlings of um, of the newspapers. So that was like in 1916. And then movie stars began to have uh, a role. They became sirens of chrome. You just had a, uh ad on your show like about 10 minutes ago about Gene Crane and the 1957 DeSoto. Mm-hmm. Uh, which is a very significant thing because beginning in about the uh, in about the twenties, movie stars began to represent represent cars. Uh, in 1936, uh, it was one of the first uh, Olympic skating champions, Sonia Hetty. She was a representative of the Cord. And, of course, the Cord didn't last very long. It happens to be one of my personal favorite vintage cars. But that began the connection between Olympic and sports champions being sirens of chrome for vehicles. Excuse me just for a second. Interesting that you mentioned that, but uh, there's a local guy here, a car collector, a friend of mine, uh, Jim Towers. He actually had her 1936 Cord West, is it the Cord Beverly or Westchester? She had, um, and he had that car. This is about 20 years ago. He bought the car. It was in immaculate condition, and I know it it was auctioned off back in the day, but it's funny that you mentioned that because that's who he said owned the car, and at the time I didn't know who it was. I had to look it up, and then he... Then, uh, but it's funny that you brought that up because uh, that you're exactly right. But uh, oh, the, the the Cord vehicle is is has an has an interesting history, and I know this is a segue, but I think it's very interesting. Uh, the Cord was manufactured by the Auburn Automotive Company, and they had they had a nice little ride with their cars from nineteen like twenty nine through nineteen thirty two, and they had a lot of mechanical problems, and they really wanted to put forth a big effort. So um, they thought, okay, what's the craziest thing we can do here? So that's when they got Sonia Henney involved. And on for, in 1936, unfortunately, the car did not last. They went out of business in 1937. Of course, it resurfaced again. But they really made a big splash, and they made a significant impact on automotive marketing uh, that lasts until today. The, um, the how, now fashion in those days played a big role too, and it was it was more of a glamorous thing, right? I very, mean, it was very glamorous. When you think back into the '30s, the movie stars, um, many if if you look at a lot of publicity shots from movies like in the 1930s. Because the cars in that era, there were many glamorous cars. You and I saw some amazing cars at the Concourse de Elegance from the 1930s. They went all out in in just super luxury in that era. So, of course, Hollywood caught on to this, and they posed very glamorous stars in the cars. And, of course, fashion went right along with that. In fact, you could make very excellent parallels between fashion of certain decades and certain eras and the styling of cars. If we fast forward to the 1960s and the late 50s and you look at all the vehicles with all the mass of chrome, I mean, you couldn't get any more chrome on it, their fashions were also into that excess, too. If you look in the 80s, we have a repeat in it. And what I like to do sometimes when I give a talk is I have in my collection a whole group of vintage clothing, which you saw at the Concourse d'Elegance. We had models in what I call vintage automotive clothes because every single one of the fashions that I showed had stood beside a car at an auto show or an automotive event. And if we had had cars, the the original cars that they stood beside, the parallels between women's fashion 
and cars is so significant. I even have people who are really not into women's fashion say, hey, I get it. Yeah, I, I see that. That's really, really working. And then there are really some kind of funny stories about fashion and cars. Um, in At General Motors, on Cadillacs, we remember the Dagmar chrome bumpers. <laughs> yeah. And I mean, it's just a great, funny, sexy story having to do with the early 50s and the blonde bombshell, Dagmar. And that was before Jane Mansfield or Marilyn Monroe. And in 1951, she was featured on the front of Life magazine in a very busty outfit. And I can only think at General Motors Design Division, they said, hey, we're going to put on chrome bumpers and we're going to call them Dagmars and it's going to be a funny thing, and it's a very amusing automotive story. Uh, and you can't make this stuff up. It's just truer than life. <laughs> uh, so much for uh, Harley Earl, right? <laughs> yeah, well, you know what? He was a good guy. He was. Actually, he was a brilliant guy, and I just would have loved to have been a mouse around that design table when somebody uh, proposed that. Would, you, would it be fair to say that the automotive design influenced fashion, or fashion influenced automotive design during the well, decades. Well, that's like saying what came first, the chicken or the egg. Okay, well that's true, but I mean, I mean, yeah, uh, I'll, I'll tell you what my, my my thought is because a lot of fashion, women's fashion, originates first in Europe, and then about a year later, some of those design minds uh, take over. I think uh, the colors. That auto, that the automotive industry develops does and or did affect, uh, American fashion. I think it's a, a two-part thing. First of all, we have the European fashion influx, and then we have the American influx. Retailing follows what Europe does, and it's about a year later. Because America is such a design of, uh, our designers are very, very forward, uh, I think that, that they meet in the middle someplace. That's just my personal opinion. For right, yeah, for right now, uh, or no, if I go back in fashion history, let's go back late 50s, early 60s, uh, the pastel sequence of cars. I think it's a shame right now we don't have some of those beautiful pastel uh, colors. I, at the concourse, you and I saw some beautiful uh, pastel green, pastel pink, mm-hmm. gray cars, and they were absolutely marketed to women. And also, when uh, in the late 1940s, when it was the beginning of two-car households, uh, when pastel cards came out, when that happened, there was a big, big push on pastel clothes in in the retail market. So that would be an example of fashion following what the automotive trend was. Do the the like the clothes back then, the fashions that they designed in the 50s? Now, granted, the cars were far more flamboyant. Um, right. Would you say that they that the fashions pretty much hold true to the era as far as oh, the design absolutely. of the car versus today? I mean, today it doesn't seem like anything's really, really that exotic. It's just you know. It's well, it, and and bland. I feel that I feel that way in fashion, and sometimes in cars. Although there are certainly some 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 exceptions, and I think we go through periods. You know, when we were going through the um, 1980s, the era of excess. You know, Trump was buying all the casinos and we were doing all that and it was the era of share i have a group of dresses that uh, were designed for the pontiac firebird and they are encrusted with firebird like logos and they really when people look at them they say hey that's the 1980s it's just so uh, it's just so parallel with what was what was going on at, on at the time. Now I know you mentioned that you have um, a collection of these uh, d- um, dresses and fashions. Right, right. Now is that kind of a is that kind of like a new collectible fad? I mean, is that something that, that... I, I'm the only one who's doing it that I know of, and mainly it's because I'm in the business and I can't bear to part with any of these clothes. Um, and so, and, and as we collected them. 
in my company over the years, I realized, hey, you know what? These are from 20 years ago. These are kind of interesting pieces to fashion. About a year ago at the Etzel and Eleanor Ford home in Gross Point, Michigan, uh, they uh, set up in a gallery the exhibit that the National Automotive Historical Collection had created around my book called The Sirens of Chrome Exhibit. And they asked me, and I hadn't thought of it until then, they asked me if I would show uh, some of the fashions and write a little uh, docent commentary and show the fashions beside the pictures of the cars um, that, that they stood beside. And it was a real hit. Uh, I went out there when they had an event on a Sunday afternoon called Eyes on Design, and people came through and they really saw the significance between them. Actually, there's a really funny story. Uh, this is, um, I'm fast forwarding a little bit to uh, beginning of the 80s, 1981. Chevrolet created a new car. And now I'm not swearing now. This is really the name of the car called the Bitchin' Barbie Corvette. And it was a, that is for real. Is it pink? And you got it. Okay. <laughs> and hey, it's a very <laughs> special pink. And many, there are many automotive fans, gearheads, that I talk to that say, I know that car, and it was a very, very special color. It was a combination between a pastel pink and a light violet. And you combine those together, and that was the color of that Corvette. So it was a concept car, and they put beside it, a model in a dress of that color, and because it was 1981, the dress is simply over-designed. It's a short little strapless cocktail dress, of course, to be worn by a blonde Barbie look-alike model or product specialist, and it has pearls, lace, rushing, rosettes. It has everything over it. And whenever I show it to people, people just laugh because it is such a statement of fashion from the 1980s. And you put it beside this car or a picture of the car and this violet pink. It's just, it's just funny. Again, you can't make this stuff up. <laughs> just automotive history is filled with these wonderful little stories. Who are some of your uh, your clients? I mean, I know you have General Motors. You have uh, like Porsche, BMW, Audi, we, Mercedes. We do. We have done work. If it's not for auto shows, for uh, almost every major automotive company, be it auto shows, and we have a certainly a nice cachet uh, group of automotive clients, but also automotive events and automotive things happen all over. Uh, auto shows are certainly big because they are in certain cities. Every Almost every manufacturer goes in there, and you can go, and you can see a whole overview of cars. But automotive events um, are great, too. Uh, for example, there's the uh, U.S. Open held in New York, and there's the national volleyball tournaments going around. And I think right now in Williamsport, Pennsylvania, there's the um, international Little League games. And all of these are sponsored or have partial sponsorships with automotive companies. And we do have product specialists that travel there, stand beside the cars, talk to the people about it. Um, one of my favorite events is the Long Beach Grand Prix in California. And that's just a wonderful showcase for lots of vehicles with lots of sports fans, California celebrities, and people that just love cars taking place right by the beach. Now, just real quickly, because we've got a few minutes left, but how about sure. for uh, marine industries? Let's say, like, you know, sailing vessels, uh, yachting. Uh -huh. Do you supply uh, product specialists or models for that, too, as well? Well, we can, but uh, that component is, is not as big as the automotive. We okay. certainly could, um, and we've done a couple uh, marine shows. And it certainly could translate so well into that because the marine industry is a major growing industry. And where you are in Florida, it's just part of your DNA. Mm -hmm. That's true. Uh, we got a few minutes left. Do you want to go ahead and plug your book and plug your company real quick and tell everybody where, <laughs> sure. we can, where they can get uh, your the book? The name of my book is Sirens of Chrome, and you can get it from either my website, sirensofchrome.com, or on, of course, 
Amazon.com. And the book really is a joy ride through automotive history. And it's mainly great historical photographs that I got from the National uh, automotive historical collection here in Detroit, which is which is my home, and my company is Productions Plus, the Talent Shop, and we have offices in Michigan, in Chicago, and in the Los Angeles area, and we are one of our strongest segments is automotive and supplying great trained gearheads to all kinds of automotive events. So that's what I do. Okay. Well, Marjorie, I want to thank you for coming on the radio show. Um, I look forward to seeing you at some of the future events. Hopefully you'll make it to Amelia Island. You're going out to uh, Pebble Beach this weekend, aren't you? Uh, Actually, I have people that are out there right now. Okay. (laughs) So, uh, yeah, because I think you said you were leaving tomorrow, and you're on your way out there to check it out and uh, do your thing. But anyway, the name of the book is Sirens of Chrome. And, Marjorie, I want to thank you for coming on the show, and I look forward to staying in touch with you and seeing you in the future. Absolutely, Robert. And say hi to your husband, Seymour. Oh, thanks so much. I will. Okay. okay. Take thank care. You. Thank you, everybody. Bye-bye. Hey, everybody, tune in to Nostalgic Radio and Cars next week. Uh, I want to thank Chris for coming on the show. Thanks for having me, Robert. Don't forget Crown Collector Car Auction, October 14th and 15th in Tampa, right? That's right, in Tampa. And I wanted to say that it was fortuitous that she mentioned her favorite car was Accord because we are going to be this year's sponsor of the Auburn Accord Duesenberg Society's annual event. Up there in Auburn, and we're going to be at the uh, the the event, event at uh, Auburn, Auburn at the Auburn auction. Anyway, we'll see you guys. Are we out? We're done. Okay, see you guys next week. We're out of here. <laughs>